you have strong feelings about this series, Helen? I'm just I'm just <laughs> curious more than anything. <laughs> My strong feelings on Chobitar, why? <laughs> <laughs> y'all. Uh, in today's episode of Manga in Your Ears, we're going to be talking about Chobits for our completed series and Heaven's Design Team for our ongoing series. And due to the nature of Chobits, this is going to be a bit of an explicit episode. Thank you, Clamp. As always, I'm Helen. I guess for some. <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting. That's for why you. I was doing the podcast. <laughs> you can go first. Okay. <laughs> Corey. When, when I do two different podcasts, I have, like, two different, like, styles in my head, and I just get them mixed up, so. <laughs> it worked. So, for, uh, for a little bit of background for why we're doing Chobits, uh, it was two things. One was that Corey said that we hadn't done enough, like, I think he might have said the phrase clamp bullshit lately, or just clamp weirdness. Also, so Corey and I listened to this other podcast. Um, I think this one was The Indicator, which is this daily economics podcast from NPR, and one of their staff members had, like, put on their Instagram that they had not seen any anime except Chobits, and they liked Chobits. And I was like, that's a real weird choice. Yeah. And, this... Corey's like, and I was like, you remember? And then it turns out Corey didn't know about Chobits. So Corey didn't understand at first why this is such a weird choice for it to be someone's one anime series. Yeah. <laughs> this was actually on the Planet Money TikTok. They posted on their Instagram stories, too, which is the appropriate age group for how old I am, how, of how I saw it. Um... Well, to be fair, the indicator is a spinoff of Planet Money, so I was in the right ballpark. It was an economics yeah. podcast from NPR talking very briefly about about Chobits um, for some reason. So Chobits is a eight volume series published by Clamp uh, in the early two thousands, ran from like two thousand to two thousand two. It came over to the U.S. and it's been through a couple publishers at this point. It's been through the Tokyo Pop. I think Dark Horse might have had it. This is the case of a lot of clamp titles since they were originally held by tokyo pop and tokyo pop went bye-bye for a few years uh chobits is the story of um a college student or rather he's not a college dropout but he's one of those guys who didn't succeed in the entrance exam so he's kind of taken a year off taken a gap year to study again named hideki and he's living in at that time modern day japan and personal computers are becoming more of a big deal except for some reason in this version of modern day japan like all of the computers are basically like humanoid androids, which I gotta say is a really weird choice. Like, how are you supposed to read your manga on those things? Do not get it. <laughs> and so he's bemoaning the fact that he's pretty poor. He definitely doesn't have the money for one of these. And then he just randomly finds one in the garbage. And again, these look like people. So what he finds looks like a 13-year-old girl wrapped up in bandages in the garbage. So we are off to a great start as he drags her home. And he's trying to find her on button. And he's checking all the usual places, like the ports near the ears, you know, seeing if it might be, like, on her back. And then he gets the idea to check one last place. And as a teenager, I thought it was very high up her thigh, because that is what the image shows. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it is up her vagina. For reasons that become plot important later. So, she, the Chobit, well, she kind of is a Chobit, the Persicom, she turns on. 
She looks like a 13-year-old. She has, like, the intellectual capabilities of a three-month-old. And so Hideki is now sort of raising her a bit, trying to get her to keep her clothes on, not doing a really great job about all this. And there's definitely some mysterious things about her because her power button should be there in the first place. Why was she thrown out in the trash? Why does she have, like, no memories or, like, no idea how to operate? And so the story progresses as he's trying to figure out Chi's origins, a friend of his with his own little, like, mini persicoms comes in, because in this world, laptops are, like, doll-sized figures instead of full-sized people. Again, I really do not understand this in hindsight. (laughs) (laughs) The story works in some ways as, like, one of those, like, high-idea sci-fi that are sort of more of a metaphor for anything else, except I really don't think Clamp was thinking that deeply. And it, it just gets kind of more awkward as it goes on, and the older I get, the more I look back at this, I'm like, God, why didn't nobody call this out at the time? <laughs> like, in my defense, I was like 15. So I was like, this is kind of weird, but no one else is acknowledging it's weird, so I guess it's not weird. And uh, April, I think you read this probably close to the same age I did, but Corey, you're coming into this brand new, so. Yep. <laughs> what is y'all's impression on this? <laughs> so it's, it's, it's hard for me to, like, review this one because I have a lot of nostalgia around it. I was, I was probably in my early teens when it first came out from Tokyo Pop. So this would have been around the same time as Sailor Moon, Card Captor Sakura. Like they I think they advertised this series in the back of one of those volumes. And at the time I just bought whatever looked interesting um in the back. Um and I remember like buying this volume by volume from Suncoast. Like that's how long ago <laughs> it's been. Um but it it's hard to go back to it. Like there's a lot of really weird things about it as a kid like i just thought it was cool and i thought she was cute and i drew a lot of pictures of her that are somewhere in my mother's house um (laughs) but as an adult like it's like what like why is her on button there she's like she's constantly removing her clothes like why is she doing this she looks very young um i man and it's funny to have not read it for as long as i have because i could still like anticipate certain panels even though i haven't read it in several years but oh it's a hard one to go back to and i actually like only vaguely remember the ending and i only reread uh i read the first volume of the collector's edition that just came out so i'm not sure how many volumes that is maybe two or three so i kind of am fuzzy on the ending yeah so this was this was interesting this is also an anime that i like begged my mother for and we got it we I have it still from Suncoast. That's how long ago it's been when you bought anime in individual volumes. I also saw the anime, but I won a box set for it in a cookie baking convention at my cookie baking <laughs> contest at my first convention. Oh my so that's a different story. <laughs> that's a different story for after the podcast. That should just be oh. the introductory thing for the podcast. Yeah, no, as you mentioned, I came into this manga cold. Um, Come, I'm coming to all of the clamp on his back. That it was gonna be weird. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I had not read it before, uh, but I knew, uh, I, I know the stories around it. I do not know uh, the extent of the stories around it um, because, like, it's just kind of horny and weird. <laughs> uh, and I, uh, I did the same thing as April gig. I read the first digital volume, which I, it seems like it's two volumes. It's about 350 or 370 pages or so. Uh, and, like, the way it ended, I'm very 
interested in what a Chobik is, uh, but I don't know if I want to read more of this. Um, Where you meet Chi's identical twin sister that now lives in her head. Yeah, that was around the uh-huh. place that I stopped. Uh, I occasionally forget that detail, even though it's a rather important one. Yeah, that, I felt like I forgot that too. <laughs> yeah, that was very confusing. Uh, just like the first couple of chapters were just him. Hiki acclimating Chi to uh, existence, basically, uh, teaching her various things, and the um, the landlord, his landlord, who uh, I guess was married or in some sort of relationship with the creator of Chi, it seems like, uh, but that's not confirmed yet. And uh, the the landlord is also like 27 or something he has another teacher who's like 27 and he has a different uh, co-worker that's like 18 and they're all kind of interested in him in various ways except his friend is also involved some way with the teacher uh, the like the uh interpersonal relationship aspect of this is very confusing and very <laughs> i guess it's, that's a pretty typical clamp but uh this is, this is a weird manga um <laughs> I kind of want to read more still. I don't know. <laughs> the train wreck. But yeah, April, you mentioned drawing a lot of things of Chi. And yeah, the art in this, at some points of it, it's pretty plain. But Clamp just loves indulging in drawing silly, frilly outfits for Chi to wear. And especially once they introduce her twin sister. And so then they can have all these white versus black outfits, mm-hmm. which were definitely popular in the cosplay community for years and years. I feel like I don't see them cosplayed as much anymore, but still, it's not unusual to see someone who's done that. Um, I still have my old Tokyo Pop volumes, mostly because I was going to go to a used bookstore to sell them off, and then the pandemic happened, so they've just been kind of sitting mm. in the box for a while. But I also have the art book that Tokyo Pop put out. I feel like I kind of want to hold on to that, since it's kind of nice to look at the art, even if I have this association with it now of this story where it's like, Every time Chi's power button gets pressed, you know, she totally resets and regresses to an infant. So there's a conflict towards the end of the volume where it's like, Hideki, do you really want to be with Chi your entire life? You can never have sex with her. (laughs) And you see, you know how I said that I thought that the power button was like on the upper thigh when I was reading this as a teenager? I remember being kind of incredulous about this. I'm like, I feel like you could figure out a position to do this about hitting this. You guys are just like, (laughs) 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 This is how, like, 17-year-old Helen was was understanding this, so... And to be fair, 17-year-old Helen is right. You could make that work, you know? <laughs> I think ask if it made similar implications, so... I guess it depends on how deep that switch is. Yeah, yeah, that is that is the suffragist, <laughs> I would assume. Yeah. Or is it a button? That would be more problematic. I think it's a button... I think that was my assumption, kid, that it was some sort of button or something. Yeah, since we see on the other regular computers that it's an on-off button. Oh, and we also learned that Chi's power button was not originally there. It was somewhere else, but then, like, it had emotional trauma in her past, and it was decided to change this, and just... This might be one of Clamp's weirder works, now that we're talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and even in the first... I had forgotten about, in the first... Uh, collector's edition or whatever the where she winds up in like that that club oh, the pizza and thing? yeah i had forgotten about that and i'm like i read this as a kid and like, I, I had completely forgotten about that totally and then of course is the thing i'm like oh man i totally forgot about this but then that's i guess kind of when you learn that she that that button is an issue but i'm like oh my gosh like of all 
the the ways to find out about that. But I can't remember if like this was like advertised. I'm sure they didn't say it back then. I don't know if it, it, it was advertised as a Sane in series or like directed at men or like one of the few that clamped it. I can't remember. I feel like I remember that from somewhere, but it has been this like one is a Sane in Lost. Ran in Weekly Young magazine. Yeah, it's it's different. It, there's definitely a lot of nostalgia for me. But it's one of those ones where I might have been okay not rereading it. Like, maybe it would have been nice to flip through the, the <laughs> art book, which I don't think I had that. I think I always wanted that art book and was never able to get it. But, man, rereading it now is kind of rough. I'm like, oh, and she's so cute. I think her character design is so cute. But it's like, ah, then you put her in these weird situations. And, yeah. Yeah, and Clamp definitely brings back a version of Chi in some of their other series, mm-hmm. like, uh, uh, I know she's in Subasa briefly. She's like this artificial clone created by one of the characters. Because in Subasa, who isn't a clone or a twin by some point in that series? <laughs> I mean, I swear to God. Even in and the anime. Then, yeah. And I think in Kobato, um, the titular character is living in the landlady's same apartment. And so she just has two cute, like, little seven-year-old daughters who are she and Freya. So... Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so she they've gotten she has gotten much better... Life situations going on in the alternate universe, basically. <laughs> and also, it's weird that this is not a sequel to Angelic Lair, but they're connected. Um, which, Angelic Lair was basically Gundam Build Fighters, but with Barbies. Pretty great. But it was like a Shonen series, and this is a jump to a Seinen. Oh, and it gets really weird. There's like, uh, have you met the young boy who has like the maid Persicom, Corey? Yeah, he was one of the first uh, first other characters besides the main character and his best friend. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, that maid is based off his older sister who was a, who was a main character in yep. Angelic Lair and just died. Oh, okay. And, like, what the... Yes. Clamp. <laughs> so yeah, this is a series where it just sort of gets a little weirder as you keep thinking about it. Um, I've definitely thought that one of the bigger problems of Clamp is that they sometimes just don't seem to have editors who will tell them no hang on what and it feels like that was kind of going on here because like i know we keep talking about all of these like sexy things that happen but this this isn't a porn or anything guys this is like a regular scene in manga and i mean some of those really do toe the line when it comes to what's porn what's not but yeah i feel like the ideas they were trying to explore about building relationships and coming to terms with your past, etc., could have been done in, like, I don't know, a more tasteful way? Wasn't Chi's first word, like, panties, basically? Like, uh, I believe so, because um, he didn't have any clothes for her, so he was she was kind of, like, wearing this very oversized T-shirt that were exposing her boobs, so um, she got some hand-me-downs from the landlady, and then he had to go to a lingerie store to buy panties. Because of course he did. Yeah, and, like, he realized <laughs> after... <laughs> yeah, he realized afterward for some reason that he could have just gone to a department store, but uh, <laughs> he, he is not a smart individual by the fact that he is not in college yet, I guess. To be fair, he also doesn't have a computer because the current computer's apartment doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> the current computer needs the underwear that he needs the computer to find. <laughs> I mean, even beyond Chi uh, and her various situations, various situations, uh, there is, like, other horny content. He's, like, constantly talking about porn and watching porn. <laughs> you see all of these, uh, you don't really see any of the actual content, but you see the uh, magazine covers and video covers, and you also have the teacher that came over one time and just slept over, and she's in her underwear for some reason when they wake up. <laughs> um, I forgot about that. Yeah. 
there's, there's a lot of like other weird stuff that's going on beyond uh, she and, and her existence. Ex existence. I don't know. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll call she her since honestly, almost all of the robots we see in the series are girls. Although I suspect there probably are like male robots out there. We're just focusing on a group of horny young men who are young men who have made robots to look like their dead sisters, and that's why we're just seeing a lot of girls. Yeah. I'm sure that somewhere out there there is like an equivalent of the Peep Show, but it's a male robot or something. <laughs> yeah, th- this manga was definitely what taught me about Peep Shows, because I had never heard of those before, because I had no interest in it. So. <laughs> <laughs> manga was accidentally responsible for teaching me quite a few things in life, unfortunately. <laughs> but anyway, it sounds like we're all pretty much on the same page as this, with a, the more we think about it, the more we get skeeved out about it, and... It just feels like a lot of this is at the expense of the characters. It's one thing when the characters are sort of, quote-unquote, involved in the story and are, like, I don't know, willingly showing the reader their boobs, but it's something else when it is, like, what looks like a teenage girl with the intelligence of a three-month-old, like, accidentally showing off her boobs. It just feels a little predatory to be reading in some ways, which probably isn't a term most people would use while reading it, but yeah, it's just... Man, why was nobody talking about how weird this was, like, in the late 2000s? Why? I mean, I I I bought it, like, volume by volume. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this is a a weird one, especially now that you frame it like that. Like, I wasn't even... I wasn't thinking about it both because I am uh, a male and do not typically think about uh, things that are problematic depictions of females that way because I... Uh, Corey, are you I telling me your room is not filled with porn at the yeah. age of 19? No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it wasn't just, like, magazines everywhere or anything. It's all <laughs> on the internet now, so... Um, well, to be fair, kind of wants a computer for that reason. Yeah. Uh-huh. Although, how exactly you would... Oh, yeah, I remember at some point they, like, hook her up to the TV to use it, but these still just seem like a very bad computer design, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe there are different ones that show on there backs or stomachs or something titillating some people in their own ways yeah they have a display you know you can watch two things at the same time <laughs> well with that folks i think we're gonna take <laughs> <laughs> and then when we come back we'll be talking about heaven's design team this one's about penises <laughs> Uh, we are back, and we are here to talk about a less lewd and less weird manga, Heaven's Design Team. This is a three-person creative team, two writers, uh, Hebizo and Suta Suzuki, and illustrated by Tarako. Um So I don't know, we have like 15 creators in between these two manga. <laughs> um, also published by Kogansha, as we mentioned. Kobix uh, has been published by several things, Kogansha currently in this one, uh, at least Heaven's Design Team, is about... A group of people, um, let's see, nine people who uh, do the bidding of God. God created the world, and uh, he created beings to inhabit the realms, but uh, he was lazy, so he just outsourced that work to this Heaven's Design team. Um, they're all named after planets, um, and they all have a special or a specialty animal that they have created. Mr. Saturn is the creator of the horse, Jupiter created the cow, 
Mercury, the snake, Venus, who is nicknamed Ven, who created the berg, Pluto, who creates poisonous frogs and other disturbing animals, uh, Neptune created the kangaroo, and Mars is the engineer and newcomer, Shimoga, who does not have a fancy name, uh, is the liaison between the design team and Gog. Uh, but I really enjoyed this manga. It was it was kind of funny to walk, or to read all of these various facts about uh, animals that I know nothing about because I'm really bad at the science of YouTube. I saw somebody describe it as like this is the perfect manga for your middle school-aged niece or nephew who's going through their weird animal facts phase <laughs> because, oh boy, you get so many weird animal facts in here. I've read the first four volumes. I think that's all that's out digitally so far. And it is getting an anime next year, which means Kodanja is going to be publishing in print. Yay! More people get to learn weird animal facts. Yeah, I believe or, the oh, first... You know this is also for your friend who likes going on the Twitter threads about weird animal facts. Like, this is also the perfect manga for them. Yeah, I believe the first two volumes might already be in print. I'm not sure. I don't even know what release schedules are anymore with COVID. Like, <laughs> we yep. keep having to, like, shuffle so many things around for reviewing. It's like, well, this just got pushed back till April. Okay. Yeah, it is March 195th, and nothing matters anymore. So I had actually thought that this one, I don't know if maybe I, I just saw the news. I thought that this one had actually already had an anime. I didn't know that it hadn't come out yet. Um, but I liked, like, the, the premise, I guess. It seems like, I guess, something... Something that I thought, like, huh, I wonder why I never thought about that, like, that you, like, the whole idea of having a design team to make the animals, but, like, I wasn't familiar with this series at all, so I thought it was, like, going to be fake animals, like, I thought they were designing, like, animals that weren't actually real, um, and then I realized in the first chapter that they were talking about, like, actual animals, maybe that giraffe was the first chapter, so I think this is one of the few manga where I can say, like, I enjoyed the animal facts the most. Like, when you get to the end of every chapter, they have, they have like, all of the different animals and animal facts. I think I like that the most. I mean, I feel, I feel like I learned a lot from that. And uh, I didn't feel particularly attached to the characters, but I liked the premise of it. And it was something that when I read it, I was like, oh, I think I would like this better as an anime. And I thought an anime already existed. And I thought, oh, I'll have to read that. Um but yeah, at least I have something to look forward to now. Yeah, there are a couple things where um, we we talk about them, and I'm like, I read more volumes, and I'm like, oh, we could revisit this and really have something some skanker to talk about. Uh, like something like this, or for a different example, something like uh, Grab What's the Jesus and Buddha manga. Saint Young Man. Saint Young Man. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like those two. Um, you're not, I don't think we're really, we're really going to have something more to talk about beyond what I've read already in the first volume. Um, but yeah, I agree, I agree with you. I didn't really get attached to any of the characters in particular, um, except for Mr. Saturn and his weird fixation with horses. Uh, but it's I, just a running gag. Like, yeah. April mentioned that they don't have like mythical creatures in the series, but it's not for lack of trying. It's like yeah. Mr. Saturn, he wants to make unicorns, he wants to make pegasus. Like the horse is his masterpiece. He's gonna try to bring it in every single time. Mm-hmm. And there's just gonna be all these examples of their engineer who's like, "Yeah, I tried, and Animal Falls ever did. It's not gonna work." <laughs> Diagnosticoporosis. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny that they like uh, include facts like that in the in the chapters. Like, well, that animal doesn't work because of an actual. An actual thing that could happen to it. Like, I didn't know that much about animals and either the author or whoever really likes animals, because I, f- I assume all of that was true. <laughs> so The facts I recognized seem to be correct, so I do think this has been pretty well researched. There are, like, one or two mythical creatures that show up later on, like 
I think there was one that someone had created, but it didn't quite work. And God's like, wait, I'll take it. It has like <laughs> this divine beast or something. I think probably my favorite gag comes in like the third volume where one of the angels has been summoned to hell and everyone's like, crap, crap, crap. This is so bad. She's coming back. She's like, no, it's just a work meeting. Haven't you heard? <laughs> hell, it's that, it's that um, new startup by heaven. And then we go to hell <laughs> and, and, the, and the designer there is like, yeah, so we're designing like this theme park to torment people. Honestly, could I actually like commission you guys to design some things here? Here's what I need. Here's a crappy picture. Sorry. And the team is all like, oh, my God, it's a client who has a clear idea of what he wants. <laughs> I like a drawing already. This is like the best client ever. Very funny gag involving like they're trying to come up with this like really cre- creepy, like demonic creature. And then when they show what it actually is at the end, I was just dying. I'll have to tell you guys what it was off the podcast so I don't just spoil it for all of our listeners. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the joke is that God just has these really weird ideas that he wants you to create something for. Like, one of them is make something that's adorably uncute. And I think the uh, giraffe one was like, make something that can eat leaves really up high on trees or something. And that's the only prompt yeah, that I they get. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, one chapter again in the third or fourth volume was I think it was like a cute creature which is bad at swimming and so one of the guys has designed the sea otter and so the whole chapter <laughs> is him like trying to figure out things like they're trying to figure out okay if it's furry like how is it going to stay warm like how is it going to not float off at sea <laughs> and the characters are just like every other page are just overwhelmed by the cuteness of the sea otter and just they're right it's very cute looking sea otters you, you got to applaud the artist for being able to draw so many different animals, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. relatively well, including horses, since all the people I know who work on horses in graphic novels say that those are, like, some of the hardest things to draw. <laughs> so many angles. Yeah. Uh, yeah, shout out to Hiromu Arakawa and, uh, and Silver Spoon, too. You see, she's just, like, on another level. Like, we, we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to her, <laughs> you know, <laughs> her work and all the years of taking her to get this good. Yeah. I think, like, some of my favorite stuff of this is just learning the design process. Like, there's the adorably uncute thing eventually turned out to be the koala, which is very weird. That's right! Yeah, which... <laughs> and I think koalas can give you STDs by peeing on you, so... Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> wants to kill you, including the koalas. Yeah, so, um, her, uh, her entire monologue here is, first, this guy made consistent mainly consists of a toxic plant which it digests with a two meter long uh do not know scientific terms it's secum um i equipped it with the same patch that neptune used on his kangaroo but i opened i put the opening underneath so the baby can eat its mother's poop the male penises are forked in a sexy cute style and the females have two vaginas to match uh and that's the koala <laughs> honestly not the weirdest animal dick i've ever heard of <laughs> yeah later on they talk about the uh or earlier on, they talk about, like, a sea animal that has a the largest penis-to-body ratio. Oh, yeah, that was, like, one of the crustaceans, I think, right? It was, like, yeah. on the rock so it wouldn't move. Mm-hmm. So they had to get creative about how it was going to fertilize. Yeah. I mean, when I said this manga was about penises, I was only half joke. Um, but, yeah, also the unicorn, where they're, like, just trying to make a unicorn that can exist and it's like well what if we make it really dumb because then it's not using oh, yeah. <laughs> not using all this uh calcium for its brain so it can use it for the horn uh but that didn't work out it, would, it just killed itself it's too dumb and that's why saturn is hilarious there's a lot of comedy in this in this manga um if we just kept talking about it we would just ruin all the jokes but like there are a lot of good jokes in here um 
and the characters really work well against each other, even if none of them really left a lasting impression on me. Yeah, there was one thing that startled me about the anime trailer, and it was that one of the characters, I think it was Venus, the bird person, I had been assuming the whole time they were a woman, but in the trailer they have definitely a masculine voice by a masculine by like a male voice actor. And now I'm just having to like reevaluate all the scenes I had. <laughs> I was thinking of before. That's interesting. Especially since the series only has like two or three other female characters. Otherwise, don't quite understand that gender ratio, but I can overlook one thing in this. <laughs> it gets one pass. <laughs> just remember the weird fish where the male attached itself to the female. If I'm remembering it correctly, and oh, then yeah. becomes a part of her body. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was. You learn a lot about animals in this one. I, I, I like. The like lowly looking cute girl is the one that creates the most disturbing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, honestly, my friends who wear Lolita are the ones who are like the most hardcore into true crime podcasts, etc. So yeah, that matches, <laughs> I think. <laughs> All right. Well, anyone else have anything else before we shut this thing down? In case anyone was wondering, since we're talking about people and angels, we don't know. If there's like a larger human society going on. We don't quite know where the people came from. You just got to like put that out of your mind and just keep on going. I'm under the assumption that this is like before the world was fully populated with people. Like they're still in the beta testing stage. <laughs> but yeah, in case anyone was listening to us and was wondering about that, you're free to wonder, but you're going to also have to be able to let it go to enjoy the series. Yep. They have a test island for all of their animals, too. Yeah, I was trying to figure out. I was trying to figure out if it was like actually the Galapagos or just something else. I thought there was a joke about that, but now I don't remember since I read the first volume quite a while ago now. There has not been that joke yet, but we will see. In my mind, they're testing an area in the Galapagos Islands because that would just be perfect for a whole <laughs> bunch of weird, odd specific creatures. All right, well, uh, let's close this episode out. Where can you find everyone online? You can find me on Twitter at Monjurin. I am still alive. Um, I say that every time we're you sound sad about it. <laughs> <laughs> this quarantine stuff is not fun. <laughs> no, it is not. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Wonder Dreamer. You can also find me writing and podcasting over at the Organization of Antisocial Geniuses. Uh, have I done any interesting reviews lately? Well, I've got one going up. I'll call you up by this time where I'm just totally done. Smile down the runway. Just I'm so I'm so grouchy at that series, guys. I'm so grouchy. Hopefully, it's, a, hopefully it's an entertaining review. I love the anime of that. As I explained it to Justin, it's like you took you're get, having somebody watch a sports manga about basketball, but they suddenly introduce two balls into the game, and <laughs> you're totally expected to act like this is normal. This is how it works. Uh, That's how awful like costuming crafting was. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll look forward to it. Uh, oh, do you have a review for Heaven's Design Team? Yeah, I've got one for Volume Two, and I've also got one up for Three and Four. All right. I'll link to those in the show notes, and you can find me on Twitter at CompassionateK, you can find this podcast on Twitter at Moggy in Your Ears, and you can find all of our episodes over at com. that is T-A-I-I-K-U. Um, I'm glad you are all here to talk about manga with me while we are in day one billion of quarantine. <laughs> so 2020 uh, is truly the endless eight. The eight is just <laughs> oh, <gosh>. hot summer. <laughs> Instead of an endless summer vacation, we've just got endless March.
okay, I can hear your cookie story. <laughs> okay, so how far back do you want me to go? <laughs> like, do we want like the full full story or like the semi-abridged story? Uh, the short, shortish one. Okay, so it's basically that on the Animazement forums, like we decided to have a cookie baking contest, and this was going to be my first Animazement, so that would have been 2008. It was the last year they were in Durham. The next year we went to the Raleigh Convention Center, which is great because that's just, well, I'd say better saved, except the Raleigh Convention Center has some really weird architectural quirks. And so I was, like, the Wednesday before the con, I'm, like, trying to make a cookie recipe. I've got, like, this peanut butter cookie recipe I'm, like, whipping up in the kitchen. And I wanted to add chocolate to it as well, so I, like, find some chocolate chunks and I break it in there. And the cookies, they do taste good, but they're, like... You know when you don't leave enough space between the cookies on the on the cooking pan and they just sort of spread out? Mm-hmm. I've got some really ugly looking cookies, is what I'm saying. <laughs> so I get over to Con Ops during the con, and we judge. They were judged on um, I think Saturday, and so the prizes up were a couple of different like anime things. Like third place was like a volume of Hell Girl. I forget what second place was, and first place was like a full box series of Chobits, which was like seven DVDs. It was like two sets of three DVDs, like one extra one at the end. Yeah. And they were like, okay, um, Wondering Dreamer, you won. And I was like, yay. So I come back to the hotel room, and my mom is chaperoning us because I am 17. I cannot legally rent a hotel room at this point. Also need transportation. So she's in there with my friends, and they're like, how'd you do? And I'm like, I won! <laughs> and I paid her back because I forgot about it in my excitement to take home all of Jobus. Wow. Incredible. 